IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Well, hi, welcome back, everybody, to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Kirsten, we just have the best job in the world, don't we? Where we get to oh, talk to God. fabulous people all over the world. We do, we do. And it's so much fun and the stories are just amazing. And Kirsten, if you would have thought back 14 months ago, the trip we've taken over 79 episodes, can you believe it? It is amazing, Mark. So we always talk about coffee shops, sitting <laughs> in the coffee shop thinking, why don't we just do this? And, you know, we'll go big or go home and... We have just had amazing guests ever since then. And certainly one connection leads to another, which is how we met our guest today, Nadalette LaFantasis. Nadalette, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Kirsten. So glad to be with you. We were introduced probably, I don't know, six, eight months ago. And one thing leads to another. And I've watched your great TED Talk, which we'll get into. And great to hear that you have a book coming out, another book. We'll just jump in. Natalette, your background is just the kind of profile of a person we imagine on this podcast. A great business career, a decade or more in technology, a couple of decades with a large computer firm doing PR, doing marketing. One of my favorite pictures of you is with a young Steve Jobs. Folks, when, when somebody says they launched the Macintosh and they don't mean a new edition of a Mac, they mean the Mac. <laughs> when you can say you were there when the Macintosh was birthed, that is a great story. So Natalette, tell us about your business background, but of course, how the story of your life's journey brought you to where you are today. The, the story of my life journey was the story of somebody who, who, like many, many people, didn't have a family very careful, I would say. Therefore, my belief when I was young, much more young, was that I needed to, to do a career to be safe financially and socially and to climb the social scales. Therefore, when, as I wanted to, to do it fine, I work like hell. And I've been into PR, into agencies. I Indeed, I worked for Apple Computer for the launch of the Macintosh. I met Steve Jobs, which who was uh, born the same year as I. And please don't count because it's not very easy for me, but at, at least I'm not dead. <laughs> and, and then after, I went to Renault, to other companies, and I finished my, my career in communication, then in marketing, then in coaching of, of young talent in IBM. That was, you know, to be alive, to life is a sort of a travel. You have steps to climb, to know yourself. And I, there is nothing good or bad about what I did. I mean, I had a very successful career, but part of myself was not taken into consideration. I was doing well. I was successful. I was what we, you call a, a wonder woman. I would say a terminator as well, because I was really tough. But it took me years, really, really years until my 60s to be myself. And I guess the Wonder Woman part of this story is certainly one we can all relate to, where you think you can do it all. 
And you have oh, yeah, these great I, the, superpowers. Scene, Mark, I did it all. <laughs> I did uh, my daughters. I, I had my husband. Uh, at one point, I had a, person, a very busy personal life before I get married. I was traveling. I was having party. I was in, in, connected into women network. I was mentoring other women. I was. I, I just can't imagine today all, all what I was doing and. It, it was fine. I was happy to deliver and to serve and to help and to, to be uh, at the service of all the others better than to listen to myself. Mm -hmm. And I guess this, this uh, desire to have it all also meant that you sort of pushed aside some health concerns. Yes, I push aside two things. I push aside the love and the respect of myself and I push aside a, a concern which I appear when I was very, very young, which is a scoliosis, you know, a deformation of the spine. And it was it, it, at one point, because I didn't pay attention to my health, it became a huge scoliosis, scoliosis something like 73 degrees of uh, bending, which is huge. You know that usually then after it's the ladies who go like that at horizontal walking in the street. So at one point, the only solution was a surgery, which was a major surgery of 10 hours, not very fun. But I'd, I'd gone so far in destroying myself that I know the choice. And, you know, I love when you are in your TED Talk. One, they're, they're fantastic. And I recommend everybody listen to your TED Talk. It's fabulous. You know, but you also talk about the environments that you worked in. You weren't yeah. with kind people. I think even one, you made the joke, you know, why aren't you scared of me? Well, I'm not in a narco movie. That was kind of funny. I really appreciated <laughs> that myself. But, you know, so it, the, it sounds as if the whole environment wasn't pulling for health and well-being and caring for self. At one point, one of the major events in my life which make me, me so think differently were certainly the birth of my daughters. Because when you become a mother, you just think about eternity and what, what is left for your daughters, and that changes your mind, certainly. But at one point, probably since my 30, I was doing therapy, I was reading a lot, meeting people, discussing, and I knew that there was many things in my life which were not proper, not clean, not well, that part of my life was meaningless. And but on the other hand, I was in a place where I was succeeding. And it is very, very complicated to leave a place where you are successful. It's the comfort of a place where you are doing well is really a jail. Because if you are failing, you can go somewhere else. When you have a major accident like I had, you can change your life. But when you are doing fine, when everybody says that you are doing great, when the environment is tough, but highly remunerative, I mean, I was earning a lot of money at the time, it's complicated. So uh, I was stuck. And in my mind, there was more and more way, time where I was hearing a voice and you know, a voice which was talking to me and telling me, it's not possible, you won't, won't die doing that only, but I wasn't able to stop. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, incredible magnet, or as you described, the jail, you know, you think you're doing well, but you don't realize you're really handcuffed to this, the money, the but, power, the, you know. But I think that one thing is important, whatever you have done, good or bad, even worse, never regret, no, no remorse, no regret, because what you have done at one point in your life is what you had to do to become another person. So it's just a step, nothing good, nothing bad. Mm, just part of that journey. Well, when 70% effect of the scoliosis, I mean, you're physically yeah. bent over. 
did you recognize that it was having this much impact or who came to you and said nobody in fact because nobody dared to tell me something you do when the king <laughs> knew that uh, and, i am and, the queen and, and also i was very good of fighting it because for instance i was having shawl and vest and i was very very elegant and even very close friends of mine told realized then after that i was in a really awful situation, but I'd not realized it at that time. They thought they had uh, some back problem, you know, like everybody. When, then after they had, they, I show them the picture of my back, which I would not show anybody because it's a nightmare. They just couldn't realize what how I did survive. It's, and it's because at one point I couldn't walk and I was crying night and day of pain that I accepted to face the truth and to be to have this surgery but even going to the surgery i was telling my surgeon no you're kidding i'm not that uh, torn mm. and so and the people of reality not very good yes and then the reality of the surgery itself when you finally did i'm sure you went through other steps to get there but when you finally accepted well then i must have this surgery i think all the doctors were saying then you'll be fine in a couple of months yeah, and they were saying uh, we are doing this surgery every uh, every week to on many people, and you will be better in a, in a couple of weeks, maybe a little bit pain, but that was not the case. In fact, because on the 14th of October 2014, when they woke me up, there was plenty of doctors at, at the uh, at the bottom of my bed, and that's never a good sign in a, in an hospital. And they were saying, uh, well, we the operation went well. It's a nice way to say, and but you 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 had a little problem in the spine, and you will never walk again. And I was in shock. Mm. Yeah. And you know what I hear in everything that you're talking about, you know, being trapped in a cycle that there's such great denial you don't even understand yeah. you're in a cycle, and there was a collective agreement that this is how you behave. So there was no real modeling of what a healthy environment meant to care for your body and yourself. So I'd be curious to know, knowing what you know today and coming as far as you have come, what do you offer to these younger individuals? Yes, I, I, and what I say is you don't need to become paraplegic and to suffer all I, I, I did suffer to change your mind and to change your life. You are first to, to love you, to accept the person you are, to know the wounds you are. And for instance, I know that I will never be away from the lack of love I had as a child, but that doesn't prevent me today to be a good person, to love myself, to respect myself, and to listen what, on what I am deeply. And the, the mistake is that we are listening to all the voice of the environment, to all the voice of the false, uh, the dogmas, the injunction, the, we play roles, we, we wear masks and all that. In, uh, we don't listen to ourselves because we have not been educated to listen to ourselves. And what I say to the young people I, I met and I coach sometimes or I mentor is please just listen to what your body and your soul is telling you because maybe you won't realize your, your dream fully in the, in the right, in the very moment. But if, if it's really your dream, it will happen. You will make it happen. Mm -hmm. And indeed, to become a writer, which I am today, was the dream of my 18. 
at 18, I wanted to, to be a writer. I wanted to be a journalist to start with. And my family told me, well, be kind, just learn how to type on, on a typing machine. It will be enough. And then I was not terribly thrilled with this sort of promotion. And I went to do some, some studies and I went to another type of career. But honestly, I could have started to be a writer much before if I had listened to me, to myself. But I was in fear to succeed or in fear to failure. We never know that. That's exactly right. And Natalette, you tell your story that certainly lying in that bed then and the doctor's saying you won't walk again. And then even going home after that kind of message, that kind of diagnosis gave you a lot of time to think about that dream of being a writer. Like, where do I go now? Yes, and all what I have learned before, which was with therapy, with NLP, with hypnosis, I had followed a lot of training on all those matters, uh, was coming back and I had time to think of what I thought was I'd learned for the others, to think about, about me, to meditate, and to, I mean, I was cut, I was nobody, I was no more a mother, no more a wife, no more a, a businesswoman. My friends were not coming to an hospital, which was at the other end of Paris, where I was stuck in a dirty room with some other people. So I had just one time, and I was very tired at the same time, I couldn't read, I couldn't write or whatever. I had just time to rec recuperate myself and to think what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be for the, the rest of my life. And it was just time to be myself. And I knew that. And it's true that also I never thought that I will never walk. If you saw me, see me today, I don't walk like you. For instance, I'm not free like you and able to go wherever I want. I walk with two cans and I am toddling, I would say. Mm -hmm. But I'm standing. I'm right. standing and that's right. the most important. I'm standing physically and mentally and uh, emotionally. And that's very important. And it's true that it took me two years to start writing and three years day for day after my operation, which I think is a sign of destiny. Uh, my first book, The Leaning Read, had, had appeared in French, Le Roseau Penchant. And this book uh, led me to uh, some other books which are coming now one in English, but also a family story, which is between the States and France, which I will write then after. And some conferences, which lead, led me then after to a first TEDx, nothing happened by chance. And just a month ago, the second TEDx, which is called, I do not, I do not want to kick the bucket and which I hope will be as successful as the first one. <laughs> Mm. Oh. And, you know, it's interesting. You used a term, you know, I'm not as free walking as you are. And yet, energetically, you're more free than you've ever been, right? Mm. Like there is this freedom within who you are, because you're the natural expression of what your soul is, right? You're, you're truly expressing that. So I find it interesting that in your body slowing down, the inability to physically walk the same way you actually really began to walk. You know, if you're really looking at a metaphysical unfolding, you're walking the way you were meant to walk all along with the freedom. Yes, absolutely. And also I pay attention 
to my daily life. I mean, I, I don't put myself into trucks like I used to do, to do traveling from Paris, New York, twice in a week, uh, having a heavy luggage uh, and doing uh, three things at the same time. Now, when I am in a podcast, I'm in a podcast. When I write, I write. When I do nothing, I do nothing. And when mm -hmm. I'm tired, I rest. Yeah, so good. Well, and the TEDx talks, I mean, uh, when you say, are they going to be as popular? I know just the one that I was watching with the English subtitles has got 1.7 million viewers. Right. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> millions, millions. Yeah. And I know I've sent it to a ton of people. I'm like, every yeah. woman needs to yeah. like, listen to this. And, you know, that that is at least five or six more than this podcast. So... <laughs> <laughs> and for somebody who, who and it started in French, which is not as uh, right. popular as right. English. Yeah. Right. It's terrific. Well, tell us more about the book then. So you, you decide you do want to start writing. Did you have the book in mind? Is that what you were writing towards? Or you just wanted to start writing and the book came later? It's even more, more tricky. I had to write an, a report for an expert about my, my surgery. And mm. when I start writing, I start writing about some uh, pictures about my life in hospital, the pain, how I react. I'm not very good. I, I, I dislike very much strong uh, medicines. And I was given the anti-pain, which are very strong, like ketamine. And I, I experimented ketamine, which is a bit like cocaine in, in, the, in the way you can experiment it. When I was young, I had an experience, some experience with drugs, so I knew exactly what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like it at all. And I say, well, you don't give these sort of things to somebody without telling her exactly where she goes. And then after, I stop all on a possibility of anti-pain or, or tranquilism or things like that. And I cure myself with uh, meditati meditating hypnosis and also. But at the very same time, the, all this experience I was describing in my books, but also I, I realized that this sort of, uh, I would say, confinement uh, f in the hospital for nine months, nine months which are highly symbolic for a woman, uh, was a, a sort of mirror of what I have been experimented as a child in my family where I was not terribly cared and loved. So it was a sort of replica and my chance to get out to a new life. And all these sort of travel between the past and the present and the future were going in my mind and I was writing about it. And also I was, in, I was keen to write about what were the feelings and the relationship with my family, with my friends, with the, the, the business world. Some of, uh, some of my colleagues, I never heard about them anymore, but that's not because they don't like me. It's mostly because they were terribly afraid of the new Nadalette they haven't met and didn't know what to tell me. And now they are coming back now that it's six years I'm out of the, this surgery. And I'm quite known in because of the TEDx, because of the books and the, the podcast and so on. And people are coming back to me and say, are you worried? And uh, do you, are you really cross with us? Because we didn't give any news. I say, no, not at all. I'm not sure if I was in the reverse situation, I would have given any news to you <laughs> as well. But uh, the book went well. And I think what, what went well and what I, did, I realized is my way to write or my way to express myself is to be totally authentic. That means I'm no, no, no different in TEDx that I'm with you, that I will be at dinner later with my family or that I am in, in the book. I'm the same. And because I, I assume that I'm not 
perfect, that I'm very imperfect. I think it speaks to people because I'm not a role model, I'm not a guru, I'm just an ordinary woman who had a major ordeal, but that's all. Mm-hmm. And I love how you, even in your TEDx, to your point of the authenticity, you know, you spoke to the truth about what it means to be a Wonder Woman. Like we see the pictures of these great female lawyers in the TV shows and they have stilettos. They're a size zero. They're perfectly gorgeous and made up. They're amazing in the courtrooms, right? It's unachievable. Even in our achieving of it, it's just completely, it's unrealistic. This notion of what we need to emulate is so... Damageable. Yeah, I mean, and so it's so beautiful to hear you discussing, look, you can be yourself and be free and be happy and tell the truth, even if the truth hurts, to your point, you know, the people you knew from the past, they were scared of this new Natalette, like who, who is she? And really, what is she going to say? If she tells the truth, does that mean that my truth has to come out, right? <laughs> There's a real fear in that. Yeah, no, it's a male issue as well, because... We, are, we were educated and we live in a, uh, in a world made for men and we adapted their, their behaviors, but their behaviors are destroying them as well. Right. So those behaviors are destroying all of us. We are all dying of bad behaviors and we all need to work. The world, the world where we, we live and that we left a year ago with the COVID-19 was not perfect. It was good somehow, but was not perfect. And our chance is really not to come to a new world, but not to let happen what was uh, wrong in the past mm-hmm. again. Well, and Natalette, the first book you wrote, The Leaning Read, terrific. Now you've written a new chapter and a new contribution to another book. Maybe you could <laughs> tell us about that. Yes, I had really the pleasure and the chance to make me met a wonderful American lady like all of you, my, my American friends. <laughs> and she's, her name is Dr. Alice Cortez. And she has, a, she's the curator of an editing, uh, of a publisher called Soups. And she's curating an anthology of 25 women's story in English, which is really uh, something great for me because I, I really want to connect back with my, my American roots. And so my story, it's a short book, is now published in America and soon will be published in, but in English, also in Europe. And I'm very, very happy of it. More, more than happy that part of my family, I haven't never, I didn't have a chance to tell you, part of my, my La Fonta family is also American and lives in New Orleans. And I knew, I knew of them not a long time ago, some 12 years ago. And they are really very, we are very close. So it's a way to connect with them. And I love them very tenderly. Uh, That's Mm. fantastic. Well, that is my home state, Louisiana. Been to New Orleans, of course, very, very many times. Next time you come to New Orleans, we'll have to get together. Yes. And the name of the the Scientology is Passionately Striving in Why. And it's a story of 25 women from China to Gambia to Zambia to France to the American states to India. It's fascinating. That's fantastic. Well, we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes as well for people to see. Again, Mark, you always talk about those connections. I I feel like every time we talk to somebody, you know somebody who knows somebody, they have family in the towns you grew up in. Like you just can't get it. It it follows you. It does. (laughs) I think if you're in this world long enough, you know everybody. 
<laughs> so, or at least Mark does. I, I, have, I have more years of meeting people to come, I hope. I don't want to kick the bucket either. <laughs> Are you stealing my, my, my next TEDx? No, I, I'm so, yeah, I'm going to steal your title. <laughs> Just wait, I, I've been working on the transcript, so soon you will have it in English, and I hope it will be as successful. That's right, I can't wait. So I want to acknowledge this, and I hope it translates in voice, but if you were in present experiencing Natalette, there is a calm joy that comes through, right? There's just like a relief of life, you know, in everything that we talk about, Mark, with, and Natalette, with this conscious leadership and where we're going and cultivating the new leaders of the future, this is such an important aspect that joy de vivre has to be there. It has to be a part of what we do. Absolutely, to settle. Yes. Yeah. And Natalette, I think that's where I wanted to go next. And that is, you know, in the context of all the issues in the world, how we maintain that joy. As Kirsten was mentioning, conscious leaders and the leaders that are coming up behind us that really have both people and planet in mind. What insights do you have for us there? You know, the, the closing of my next TEDx is really something I, I really think we have all a lot of dark vador around us and we need not, not to listen to them. We need all to be Jedi to each other. And the only way to be Jedi to each other, and Jedi, you can, do a, you can play with words in French, Jedi, I have said, to be Jedi is to love your, yourself, respect yourself. And because you love yourself and you respect yourself, you will be able to love and respect the other for what they are and not to save them. If, I, if there was one thing I wanted to share and I would like people to, to keep out of this podcast, it will be there. We need really not to listen to the bad the people. We, need, we do not need Dark Vador. We need to be Jedi. Mm -hmm. That's my new word. You just gave me a new word. I'm so excited. There you go. <laughs> Well, it's, yes, it's an interesting, but it's an interesting twist. I want to to love the other person, not to save them, not to change them, and not to ask them to save me as well. Well, I'm you. saving myself on my own. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And Mark, you know, it's interesting when I talk about this, you know, there's a lot of talk about her being in this victim consciousness, but I absolutely love this twist rather than speaking to victim consciousness, speaking to that goes to the self-responsibility, but there's more love in it than saying, I'm a victim. Let's get out of it. It's no, let's, let's love ourselves, and then we can love others. So it's almost like an elevated twist on this victim consciousness, which some of our podcasts have had it twisting in my brain. There are things that happen to us, but I can love myself. And then that transmits back out. Come back out. I'm a victim of nobody and, and, and nothing. Sometimes of myself, but nobody, nobody is victimizing me. Mm -hmm. And Natalie, at the title of our podcast, Entelechy Leadership, meaning to lead on purpose, you know, and to try to achieve our soul's purpose. Do you feel like now you've been living your soul's purpose, the calling yeah. that you had? Yes, that's, that's why, you know, I wanted to, I, I call this, this last edX, how I did call it, because what I wanted to say is really, of course, I don't want to die, but if I die now, and I will die at one point, it's not urgent, but I will die. I know that what I have done Will, will be authentic and will, lead, will, will live on earth through my daughters and my grandson and granddaughter to come soon. 
but uh, so through the contact I have been uh, I have had on the on this world, something which is meaningful. Yeah, very mm, good. Beautiful. I'm in peace. We could all learn from that. Natalette, we can't thank you enough for being on our show today. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, really. I was on, I'm on honor and very pleased to meet both of you. And I hope we will stay in touch. I mean it, really. Yes, we'll be in a cafe in Paris very soon to meet our other friends <laughs> together. And we'll see each other in New Orleans for a beignet at the Cafe du Monde. <laughs> I just know it. Well, Natalette, people want to connect with you. You have a website, natalettelafanta.com. Is that right? Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fantastic. And of course, folks, you've got to watch the TEDx Talks. She's got other speeches and articles online. And of course, the book, The Leaning Read, and the new book will be upcoming. And we'll have a link for that in the show notes. So listeners continue to come by for our next podcast. And this continues to build on this this idea of elevating our purpose, elevating to our soul's potential. And really that's what IntelliKey is all about. So for Kirsten Goldie, I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Goldie and Mark Stenson, Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. If you like IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I want to tell you about another podcast I host called Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Each episode features an expert from somewhere around the globe that tells us about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they gain the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world. From singer-songwriters to entrepreneurs, on topics like data analytics to hotel management. We talk to experts from Milan and Oslo, Buenos Aires and Los Angeles, all over the globe to bring you the best ideas and inspiring your creative thinking. You can find Unlocking Your World of Creativity wherever you listen to podcasts.